This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, we want to welcome a new show sponsor, Scott Vinson from Coldwell Banker Royalty Realty. We are so excited to have Scott Vinson join us as a show sponsor. Scott is a San Diego County Gun Owner board member and has supported our efforts to defend and restore the Second Amendment from the start. So if you're moving, let fellow Second Amendment supporter and real estate broker Scott Vinson help you sell your home and find your new home anywhere in the United States. Call him at 619-948-2459. Tell him you heard it right here on Gun Owners Radio. We appreciate it. Give Scott a call, 619-948-2459. Well, welcome back, Michael. Hey, and don't forget, everybody, our uh, law enforcement training scholarship. So if you go to our website, we occasionally get uh, folks that that come in and and do training, Mm -hmm. firearms training. Like we had Cover Your ASP Week which was very, very cool. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, with your generous donations, we actually help law enforcement agents, uh, law enforcement officers, uh, join in on the training because everybody agrees that uh, they just don't get enough training. Right. A lot of people were shocked to know that I've talked to you anyway that, that, that police officers get minimal amount of training on the job. Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking to change that. Right. That's important. So go to gunownersradio.com, gunownersradio.com. What's it cost to sponsor a police officer? You can donate any amount of money you want. Oh, that's you cool. You want to throw in 25 bucks? Great. You want to throw in 125 bucks? Great. Okay. You well, that's throw awesome. throw in 1000 and 25 bucks? Great. <laughs> that 25 has got to be in there that's, somewhere, right? Exactly. But just go to gunownersradio.com, check out the Law Enforcement Training Scholarship. Again, we're just, uh, you know, drop a couple bucks, help us raise money to train cops. Gotcha. Yeah, all right. A trained cop is a better cop. I think so. Don't you think, Melissa? Absolutely. What are you doing over there? Are you are you, are you Instagramming filtered pictures? <laughs> yes, I'm actually <laughs> doing a story so that people can like tune in. That's I'm doing it for the radio show. Is yeah. that what you're doing too, Joe? Are you Instagram? Yeah, filtered? yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's got Instagram all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> if there's t- two people in here that need a filter, it's me and Joe. I think. <laughs> All right, we got bad news. Everybody already is aware. No on the recall. Yeah, that recall thing didn't quite work out, did it? <laughs> Holy well, cow. Well, you didn't think it was going to anyway. I didn't think it was going to anyway, and I I, uh, I just I, I didn't. Um, I'll tell you, the lesson learned is that – do you guys know what I mean by get out the vote efforts? Yeah. If I say that, do you know what that means? Yeah. yeah. Get out the vote it basically means uh, go door to sure, door and make, get your butt out there and tell people to vote. Exactly, making sure that registered voters mm-hmm. show up on you know to the polls and actually vote. And if there's one thing this shows is that those get out the vote efforts, um, whether it's phone calls or going door to door, whatever you know, there's a lot of different things that that uh, they do to get out the vote. Uh, it works, and the reason I say that is because Democrats 
are the best. Way, way more organ, way harder working uh, when it when it came to uh, the get out the vote efforts. Uh, the the uh, I, I, I'm simplifying by saying the Democrat versus Republican side, but there were a lot more than just Republicans on mm-hmm. the vote. You know, yes on on recall. So the yes side, um, there just there wasn't much effort at all. Mm-mm. The no side, the Democratic Party in 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 California, way more o- organized, far more hardworking, spent way more time getting out the vote and oh. spent three times, four times more money on get out the vote efforts. Well, right. de- Democrats have a plan though. See that that's what that's what'll goofy <laughs> up as a Republican. There's no plan. There really wasn't, and and, and it, the, the problem. It, you know, Democrats, and there's a bunch of people right now screaming at the radio. There's too many of them. Democrats outnumber us. Uh, okay, yeah, you're right. But considering where he was, he being the governor, considering where the governor was when it when it when it when it was uh, when it comes to you know popularity and what was going on in the environment and everything, considering everything, uh, Democrats way outperformed what they even should have outperformed. I mean, it was going to be it's a it was a tough battle anyway. Um, but they way, way outperformed what they should have known because of the get-out-the-vote effort. Yeah, but there's more going on than that, though, than just Democrat-Republican. Yeah, okay, obviously there's more Democrats out here. But, you know, it's because I wrote about this last week on on, on Substack, on thegetagrip.substack.com. Um, but I wrote about the, um, you know, the the recall effort because, if, um, and I can't remember, I was here when Gray Davis, the last time they did a recall. Yeah. and uh, But I can't remember what the issues are, but I, they cannot have been as severe as what's going on with this governor and and the thing with this governor is everybody is suffering that's the thing that's baffling this this should not be a democrat republican kind of thing i mean yeah there's hardcore democrats okay we got to keep our governor in but democrats are suffering just as badly out here as conservatives or republicans are and you know over five hundred thousand of them signed that that recall proposition so you know, there's there's more going on, and it just it it's puzzling as to what what makes people want to keep supporting people that keep hurting them over and over again, decision after decision, policy after policy, and they still sit there and they keep supporting them, and it's just yeah. Uh, I was I was oversimplifying when I say Democrat versus Republican. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I, I yes versus no on on the recall vote is really what I meant because you're right. There are a lot of. Uh, not declared. Uh, there are a lot of Republicans. There are a lot of Democrats on the yes on recall, but the voter turnout. I, I, there, you know, if if you do simplify, if you do just say it was Democrat versus Republican, a lot of Republicans didn't even show up and vote. They didn't even show up and vote. I mean, it, it was it was extremely low, the voter turnout. So where were you? <laughs> you know, where were you? And, and that's, that's what I mean by the, the get out the vote effort on the democratic side. If you, all you got to do is look at their social media and the, the democratic parties, uh, the local democratic parties across the Southern, uh, across Southern California. Uh, and then on the statewide level were extremely hardworking and organized. Yeah. See, and that, and that's another part of that too, because uh, you know, the get out the vote effort, but the, I think the bigger part of that, or, or a, a significant part of that, is the articulating the message part of it. Yeah. Because you don't have to be a Republican. I mean, there's there's lots of independents in the state. There's lots of, you know, still rational Democrats that don't like this stuff. I would think, but Republicans do a terrible job at articulating what they stand for. They don't have a plan, so they can't articulate a plan. 
But that's all part of, I think you see it as, you know, you're saying the get out the vote thing. They don't get the message out either, which which really hurts. Well, and we have, you know, we interviewed Gun Owners Radio. I interviewed Larry Elder on, on Election Day. You can you can check that out on our YouTube channel. And uh, he, got, he got about three quarters of the way through the interview, got a little, got a little heated with me. Because I told him, I said, I've been vocally, you know, publicly critical of your campaign uh, because once you guys found out that you're, they're way ahead. He, he was way ahead, way ahead of everybody. Yeah. They should have turned their uh, tactics and their strategy to getting people just to show up and vote yes in the recall. Anecdotally, I know a number of people who voted no on the recall because they didn't like Larry Elder. Now, think about that for two seconds. Yeah. So if, if they, they, they would have been happy to vote yes on the recall, except they didn't like Larry Elder. Now, at some point during the, the campaign, they should have just changed tactics and said, look, we just need people to show, show up and vote yes. We don't need people to show up and vote for Larry Elder. We need people to show up and vote yes on the recall. Um, and, and I pointed that out to him, and he got, he got pretty heated, which tells me I wasn't the first person to ask him that. And that he was probably already frustrated by that. We know it's interesting. There was another uh, another writer that had was, uh, you know, coming up with reasons for what happened, and uh, they were saying that you know by putting Larry Elder out there, and they called him a fire breathing conservative. They said it, it drew out the the Democrat vote or the the no vote, which they said you know this guy was saying that well they should have put on a more middle of the road guy like Faulkner. But the problem with him is, you know, Larry Elder got almost, what, 49% of the vote, something like that. Uh, Faulkner was down at like 9%, never got out of the single digits. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the way to go either. All right. Well, hey, let's take a quick break. You're all listening to uh, Gun, Gun Owners Radio. <laughs> Owners Radio. So it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a new radio show that yeah, we're on. Yeah. Well, I was just going to look down and say Gun Drummer. Whatever that is, coming up next. We're going to find You'll out. find out. Gun yeah, Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961. AM 1170. The answer. So get ready for an interview with another guy that likes to play with his guns. But first... Self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Make sure you are protected for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and uh, property, U.S. Law Shields is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Sign up today. Go to uslawshield.com. So we're going to talk to the gun drummer, mm-hmm. a guy named Nate Wilkinson. And uh, have you guys seen his work yet? Not familiar? No. Uh, I just did in here. It's amazing. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, so, all right, let's bring him on the line. Nate, you there? Yes, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good. All right, so tell her what, what exactly... What exactly? Uh, what is it you'd say you you do here, Nate? What what is the what are you, what is a gun drummer? It's it's like the office interview. What would it? <laughs> what would you say that you actually do here? Yeah. Well, uh, I just I like dual wielding guns to uh, heavy metal breakdowns and different music. Uh, you know, I've got the chance to use tanks and flamethrowers and machine guns and 
a whole slew of different guns and you know i've been doing it for a couple of years and people really like it so we just keep moving so were you a, a, a gun guy first or a drummer first like how did how did t- walk uh, us through how this all started I've been shooting guns since I was just a kid, and I've always liked dual-wielding weapons just for fun. And then I started playing drums when I was maybe 14 or 15 and getting into heavy metal and Metallica and playing guitar and stuff. And just a couple of years ago, I was just messing around. I was going to make a funny video and send it to my dad. So I made one video, and we posted it on Facebook, and it got a million views in one day. And so <laughs> wow. I was like, well, I'll just keep doing it as long as people want to see it. And uh yeah, and you basically so, going, so, so so just to describe and 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 I'm gonna describe it, but then you you do a better job of describing it. But you basically it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Charlie, the guy that does that he plays his instrument and he shoots at the same time. It's kind of like that, but with drums. So he's playing the drums and emphasizing the the beats with uh, with 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 by shooting your gun. Right? Is that is that a good way of explaining what you do? I just. I, I just use I just use firearms as a percussion instrument, basically. So That's even yeah, you know, I start I start the video playing actual drums that I take to the shooting range, and then uh, I'll just transition and start picking up guns and, and going from there. And there's a little bit of science behind it. Like you got to calculate how many rounds you're going to need for each part of the song, and like when you're gonna when you're gonna move and pick up some different guns, and how many rounds you have in those mags, and how long it's going to take you in the song. Did you just say that there's oh, a little fun. bit of science behind it? <laughs> Believe it or not, man. I know it looks easy on the videos, but it's, it's you know. Well, you're so good. Honestly, it. you're so good you make it look easy, and I like that you're following the science. I like that. I appreciate it. It's basically just, it's basically just keeping everything running is the biggest challenge. I, be- keeping, I believe it. Sure everything's operating properly. That is, and the ammo's good, and, you know, that's really the... Who, so who's is Lars your favorite drummer? Who's your favorite drummer? My favorite drummer is probably Chris Adler from Lamb of God. Yeah. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. What now, what makes him your favorite drummer? He's just super technical and 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 fast, and he sneaks a lot of extra stuff in there. That I, I really like Joey Jordison from Slipknot too, though. Oh yeah. Did he he uh, wait a minute. Is he the one that just passed away? Yes. Yeah, that's too bad. Boy, Slipknot. What a I, I'm. I don't know how old you are. I'm 45. So Slipknot. Okay. Slipknot came in just after. Like it's just. I'm just a little too old for Slipknot. I really wish Slipknot was around when I was in high school because that. What a, talk about. You know, teen angst. You know, persona. Right. I mean, it's perfect for that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I got to cover one of those songs with an actual tank. If you guys haven't seen that one, it's the, it's the one that I promote the most. I don't even know what that uh, means. What do you mean you covered it with a tank? Like, how did you get I was in <laughs> Who Texas gave you a tank, a, a sir? German tank, and I was playing actual drums first to this Slipknot song, and then right at this drop, I you know pulled the cord and, and fired the 76-millimeter main cannon into the Sherman, and then climbed on top of the Sherman and emptied 40 rounds of 50 BMG out of the Mod Deuce, and then jumped off of the tank and finished it out with a mag dump from a Barrett from the shoulder. I thought I was gonna die. Like my heart rate was going crazy. How did you get access? Who? How did you get access to a tank and 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 uh, some fifty cals? It's it's drivetanks dot com is where I was. It's down in Uvalde, Texas. So it's like you know two hours. Of course, it is of San Antonio. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not. Yeah, here. I wouldn't be in California. That's not here in California. <laughs> what yeah, I wasn't over in San Diego for sure. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Where are you out of? Are you are you out of Texas? No, I'm in Ohio. Okay. 
Well, there's a lot of there's no, a lot ta- of, no lot, tanks in Ohio. A lot of fun to be had in Ohio as well. Definitely. What so, about so? How often do you do your uh, videos? I mean, do you do them once a week, do you, or you just do them whenever it comes to be? I try to post them once a week, but I I have like a a career and something completely unrelated that I you know went to college for, and so I, I have a full time job. So it's, you, know. <laughs> you have a career and something unrelated. That's like <laughs> yeah, completely unrelated. Yeah. So you, it's this yeah. isn't like a. There's, this isn't a subset of something you do. This, you know, I know a lot of people have a career where drumming and shooting and tanks is a big part of what they do. But you're not in that industry. You're in a whole separate industry. That's what you're saying. It's like half and half, man. Yeah, I'm in like a really <laughs> technical industrial um, construction, like design build of, of like large factories and, and large machines and stuff like that. And then the other half of my life is, you know, the gun stuff. Which so, is great. I, so has it kind of taken over? It's kind of it's it's a side gig for you then. I mean, it's it's kind of a, it's a separate job. Yeah, you know, I did just do this for eight months, and I was making it work. I was doing it full time and just just busting at it. But the problem is, it's so fickle with the quite literal discrimination that we face online just using firearms. So I could be gone in in a minute. You know, my Twitter's been deleted, my TikTok's been deleted, my Snapchat's been deleted. Um, we've had a lot of different problems on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. So wait, I wait, wait. Just, so I can't put all my eggs in that. So you put you 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 did a bunch of videos and then they deleted you because of your because of the guns. Yes, the all of the popular, well used social media platforms right now that that we have are discriminatory against firearms. That's a fact. It's in their community mm-hmm. guidelines. They don't want firearms on there. Yeah, Melissa got her shut so down on YouTube. That, yeah, hey, yeah. check check out uh, this story. So, Melissa, tell them the story of the holster, and you brought the blue gun in. So I was reviewing um, some holsters, and I had a blue gun in one, and then I had my um, CCW in the other, which I never took out. I never took out any of them. And then all of a sudden on our YouTube live, we got blacked out. And I guess the bots had just caught that it's a firearm, and they just shut us down immediately. Yeah, YouTube and Facebook. And so the next week, she brought a banana. Yeah. So now I have to use bananas for <laughs> wow. my firearms whenever I'm doing. So a next time you're doing a segment and you want it to stay online, forget the guns. Bring a banana. That makes. I'm sure everyone's going to watch that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, they're going to look at it and say, "What the heck is he doing?" Hey, do you take requests like song requests? I think you should do oh, something yeah. by Mars Volta. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I do need to branch out a little bit. It <laughs> so, will cost you a lot of ammo, though. What What happened though when when they deleted? You just woke up one morning and and it was all gone, or did they send you a notice, or did you figure out specifically why? I mean, tell us tell us what what kind of we rarely how does that ever happen? we rarely ever know why. I mean, my friend Eric, uh, Iraq veteran eighty eight eighty eight. You guys have probably seen his channel. He got deleted from Facebook with eight hundred thousand followers and ten years of work out of the blue with no reason. Another one of my friends, uh, Dustin Ellerman, Top Shot Dustin, he uh, he got his Facebook page deleted with a million followers and ten years of work. You know, they just they just do this stuff at will. It's crazy. In my case, um, TikTok is so sophisticated with their algorithm that it will pick up the shape of the firearm even if you don't shoot it. Kind of like you were talking about on YouTube and Facebook. So what mm-hmm. they were doing is when they would sense any firearm in my video. It would give me a community guideline strike, and actually, after I got like a hundred of them, they just terminated the page. So, yeah. well, and the funny thing about it is, with those many views, 
don't they make money off your channel? Oh yeah, it's not it's not financially driven. It's ideological. But I mean, just stop and sure. think. It kind of reminds you of California because we're not money driven either. We send more businesses out of the state than we do keeping them in, and it just blows me away that they're, you know, their i you know their their, their idea is way stronger than their goal to make money makes no sense yeah hey hey, nate are there other alternative platforms that you and these other guys are going to now i try to upload everywhere just to have it somewhere like on BitChute or wherever but the bottom line is nobody's on there i mean these companies have a, a virtual monopoly right now on the public square really i mean if you get kicked off of facebook and instagram twitter and tiktok and youtube then you really don't have a voice. So right now, all the all the popular platforms that that we all know the names of, they have a big enough marketplace that they can make money. So he gets a bunch of views. He actually makes money off of it. If he goes to like a platform that none of us have ever heard of, then even if he does get a bunch of views on it, they're not really they don't have they're not set up to to be monetized. They, it, the income is missing. So there's the technology exists other where or, uh, other places. Um, like Recoil Magazine is trying to set up a uh, uh, an alternative. Um, you know, the technology is easy, but uh, the problem is the marketplace doesn't exist. So even if you put all that stuff up there and, and got 800,000 views or whatever, the money the money isn't there. Well, again, and that gets back to what we were talking about before, though, about getting the message out. Because, again, there's there's 150 million gun owners in this country. You know, it's we well, should be able to. You put an ad in every magazine, every gun website. And let people know where they can find you. I mean, and that's boots on the ground and working your tail off to make that happen. So that's the only way you're going to do it. Because, you know, talking about, say, the radio industry, I mean, if you happen to be a Howard Stern fan and Howard Stern only comes on at 2 o'clock in the morning, you'll find him and you'll listen. So I think it's just a matter of word of mouth, getting it out, and trying to find a platform that you can – you know, do your thing on it without people trying to shut you down. Yeah. So the so what's 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 what what's what are you looking at next? I mean, how how are you able to navigate? Do you just kind of have to cross your fingers and and hope? Or oh, actually, we're going to talk. We're going to get you. Yeah, we're going to talk to him on the other side back. of the. Uh, and since he's not making any money at it, I mean, he's not doing it for a living. He's doing it for fun. No, no, no. Now he's making a, money. Well, yeah, but now it's a challenge. Well, no, he's, he's making money though. Yeah, we'll talk to him on the not other side. Not as much as you make. I don't make any money. Oh, right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, our freedom of speech is just as important as our freedom of self defense. We are thrilled to support an American company like MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com and use the code FREEMARKET3 and get up to 66% off America's best pillow. Get a great night's sleep and enjoy the satisfaction of supporting companies fighting against cancel culture. That's MyPillow.com and use the promo code FREEMARKET3 and get up to 66% off. All right, we're talking with uh, Nate Wilkinson. He is the gun drummer. The gun drummer. Yeah. And uh, you can find him on just about any platform. 
since he likes to throw as much up against the wall as he can, just to see what's going <laughs> to stick. Right. Where can if somebody if somebody wants to take a look at you right now during the interview, do, do you yeah, have a central website you? or where, where do they go? Uh, YouTube's probably the best place because it's the most well organized. So if you just look up Gun Drummer on YouTube, you'll see me on there. Okay. Okay. So, so they haven't taken all your your segments off. Just no. They just hand picked probably the one with the tank. <laughs> no, it, it just depends on the platform. Like right now, believe it or not, Facebook and Instagram have, have been have been decent. So, and you know, you well, they have a couple problems, but they're I'm still in, on they're there, in so. trouble. They're in trouble. They're being looked at by the by the feds, and I think they're trying to be on their best behavior so as not to shine any negative light on them. So they don't want to. Yeah, they, I, they don't want to anger the I drummers out true. there, right? <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> right. Well, they're acting as publishers and they're pretending like they're not. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure the Biden DOJ has them just quivering there. You know, it's. Uh... <laughs> so after you get deleted, do you do you just go back in and like upload everything again under a different name, or how, what, what do you do to move forward? I've thought about doing that. I haven't done that yet, just because of the amount of work it's going to take. But no, I'm, like I said, I. I've I've got the YouTube channel still and, and Facebook and Instagram and those are like the the three I guess that I'm they get the most traffic for me so I just yeah, keep it's too bad. With I mean that. your your stuff is fun it's funny it's interesting you know it's entertaining um it Thank it, you. It, it it doesn't ha- it shouldn't be this hard I mean it yeah, shouldn't but the be social this media ridiculous. doesn't want those things I know but it, it shouldn't be that way they want it's, control it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous it's this second rule in the founding document of our entire legal system here is that we all can be armed you know i I don't understand why it's so controversial to be honest with you well and it's the first one that you're you know freedom of the press yeah or or expression you know freedom take your they don't like the word free yeah they they do like the word free freedom is what they don't like yeah that's free stuff yeah, exactly. They put the dumb in freedom. I think we just coined it. <laughs> oh, very good. How about that? Bump, bump, bump. All right, I just coined a phrase. And by the way, he does that a lot. Most of them <laughs> don't work. That one sounded pretty good. Yeah, right? All right, Nate. Uh, Danny Carey, what do you think? Oh, he's a beast, man. Absolutely. I I like how they just recently released some of like the GoPro footage from him and his kit because all the footage for the last 20 years has been on like a Nokia flip phone. And I don't know why I'm like, where's the drummer cam of Derry Canyon. Mm-hmm. Now we have it. So. so he, he's the drummer for tool. I'm a ridiculous tool fan. I am like a, I'm like a 13 year old girl and a boy band. Like, you know, I am to tool as 13 year old girls are to Two boy, boy bands. bands. It's absolutely ridiculous. That's how tool fans are, man. You yeah. guys are hardcore. Yeah. I like but, tool as well, but well, I'm not like hardcore about it. Then I have to throw this out. Are you a fan of Red Dawn? <laughs> He's talking to you, Nate. Everybody knows I am. Maybe, uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's show, maybe it's showing my age, but I don't know. Oh man, this guy over here, man! The minute you reach, you know, mention Red Dawn, he's looking for his rifle. That's right. Yeah. It's an old an old movie in the eighties. You'll, yeah. you'll you got to watch. Yeah, it. you'll have to Google it. It's life changing. Okay, it's a, a war movie. Well, yeah, basically, yeah, sort but, of. yeah it's, <laughs> oh, the Russians invade and a bunch of high school kids take their hunting rifles and fight back. How cool oh. is that? I know, right? right. Yeah. yeah I, and there might even be a drummer in there, so you'll have to look. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Not 100%. Sure. I remember there's a drummer. No, 100%. Maybe the, sure. the Russian military had a, had a parade. So, so when you're doing your format, you know, you, you kind of re, remind me of someone who writes music. 
You know, you're driving down a road, you see something, and all of a sudden this idea pops into your head. Is that kind of how these videos come about? Yeah, man, it's just fun. Uh, I, I just I like the songs that I like, and so I just start thinking of firearms with them, and then I'm like, well, that spot would work well with these couple guns, then we'll follow it up with these guns. It's getting out of control now. I'm taking like 30 guns down there, an entire drum set, three crew members, Oops. cameras, microphones. Like It's just getting wild down here now. we got to rent the range out for the whole day, and we try to film as many as we can, but it gets pretty exhausting, to be honest. It's production. Tell them about your helicopter yeah. experience. That might be a good background for music. Oh, I went to go shoot um, an M249 saw out of a helicopter in Vegas. So that would kind of be cool for you to do. I don't know about going through the air, but, you know, that'd be fun. Be something to think about. Yeah. Is that the tank place in Battle Vegas or whatever, the tank place there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they're connected to it. So there's, like, a, a area for a landing area, and then they just take you up and... You start shooting. Let me tell at you. Trove, at at the targets. Yeah, and 250 rounds goes super fast coming out of that saw. So it was really fun, though. But I was it. just thinking that'd be a fun yeah. thing for him to think of because you're looking for something different every time, right? I guess. You got to get on a battle cruiser. See if you can get on a battle cruiser. I think you might be overthinking <laughs> yeah. it, Dave. I think Shoot just- the big guns. Don't yeah. be... Messing around with that little stuff. That little tank. Guys, yeah. give me two years, and I'll just do a breakdown with a nuke and just turn this whole place to glass. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, man, after my own I heart. A, uh, I did a Slayer song with a saw, and it worked perfectly. If you guys haven't seen that, you got to check it out sometime. Uh, we couldn't believe it. The rate of fire matched the guitar perfectly. Was it really? That's funny. Yeah, it was like brum, 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 brum. raining blood is the song. <laughs> now, are you getting uh, are you getting recognized yet? Are people hey, you're that guy? Yeah, believe it or not, it's pretty crazy. What's that like? It's fun, man. It's really fun. I really enjoy any interactions with with people that like the channel and <laughs> like all the shirts that I sell. I, I I make them here and like sell them from my house, so it's like personalized, you know. And I, I send whatever cool stuff I can find in my house and just throw it in there, like. Oops. Anybody that appreciates the channel, I just I'm hyped about it. That's great. <laughs> I gotta see this guy's house. <laughs> That's all like fun. I just built it, man. I got a backstop back here. I do a lot of filming just out here in my backyard, actually. Oh. Well, he is in Ohio. Now, what is the what's yeah. the what's the gun environment like in Ohio? Are you guys you pretty much be able, you can carry, you can buy what you want, or what goes on? There's just guns everywhere. I mean, absolutely <laughs> all over the place. It's completely acceptable and normal and. Kind of weird, actually. How long do you have to wait when you buy a new gun? A uh, couple minutes while they call the FBI. <laughs> ours you is buy it from another individual, no time at all. Ours is ten days. Nice. Yeah. What's the view in Ohio? What's the view of of California when it comes to gun crazy? <laughs> Honestly, we just think it's nuts. Like the you know. Stuff that goes on over there legally and like from your government and all that stuff is well, you know what they're trying to do. If they can get it to fly in California, they're going to try to spread it across the United States. It's just like back in the day, we used to build 49 state cars and a California car, and the California car had so much emission on it, you're lucky if you could get down the driveway. So, once they perfected that. Now, everybody has a heavily smogged vehicle, even the one you're driving, unless it's, you know, pre, you know, 80s. You know what I mean? 
So that's the problem with California, and, and I'm sure you haven't heard a whole lot of gun shows in California. We've been doing this a little over five years now, and there's a, just a small handful, a lot of guys online, but to actually be on a 50,000-watt station, we're pretty rare, and and that and we do it just for that reason, to stay on. And we, you know, Michael with the uh, San Diego County Gun Owners has done so much for Southern California as far as education goes, concealed carry. I mean, how many concealed carries have we got right now in a, in a city of three million? Yeah, we well, in the whole county has three three and a half million people, Nate, and we had uh, we had about eleven hundred CCWs issued, and it was near and hot, uh, near impossible to get a CCW, near impossible to get a CCW. Yeah, yeah. Now we're issuing about one hundred and fifty a month, two hundred. Uh, but how a many month. CCWs do we're we up, have when we started to, the show? About eleven hundred, and now we're up to about over five thousand. It's it's a problem. I mean, it Good. really is, and there's a whole generation of people um, that just have missed out on guns so you'd be shocked at how many uh adults there there are walking around san diego right. you know 40 50 year old people who've never shot a gun before Nate. Nope. like does that even make That's sense so does that does that even make sense like how many adults do you know that you know, don't have never that done that i've never carried or shot a gun it's just yeah it's ludicrous it's really just fear, man. Like people, I mean, if, if people would just get into it, do it a little bit, they'll find, wow, this is actually really fun. And it's not, you know, it's not just like a murder machine. Like if you follow, if you follow the, the safety rules, you know, nobody's going to get hurt. So. It's a target. You're trying to hit a target. It's a paper target. It's a, it's a watermelon, whatever. It's a target and it's perfection. And, you know, I mean, Joe does professional shooting. Melissa does professional shooting. Competition. You know, I mean, but people don't see it and that way. Instrument. Exactly. So what what do you hope to see with, with your content? Where, where, do, where do you want to be with it? Are, are you just having fun and this is great? Or are you going someplace with it and you have a, a plan and, and uh, some, some, some things coming up? I'll be honest with you guys. I've just been winging it for two years. So that's still <laughs> what I'm doing and. You know, I get invited to all kinds of crazy stuff now, and so I, I pick the ones I want to go to, and hopefully I can meet somebody and make a video and do something new. There you go. Just kind of uh, so doing my thing. And some gun people have reached out to you. Have you had any musicians reach out to you and go, hey, man, you're pretty good, and I, I'm a big fan, or anything like that? Tons, man. Like people that I never in a million years thought I would talk to. It's like crazy. who? Like, like bands, who? Bands that I'd love forever name i mean some, name some bands that you talk to that you just never thought would you'd ever you know michael has to hear this i mean august burns red is a good example um all that remains is a really good example i've you know been listening to them forever um and boom they found your your channel and they said wow this is awesome how cool is that how good does that feel oh the biggest one ever i don't know how i could forget but system of a down two of the members oh, in that band dang. i've had contact with a lot yeah and that's my favorite band of all time ever since uh, i was a kid so that's crazy what do they do did they con they just reached out to you or how did they contact you uh, no my videos caught their attention just because of like how obnoxious it is and how popular it was getting like when i covered chop suey it reached this dude in brazil posted it and it reached 83 million facebook accounts oh one my god all right, Nate. Right. Well, attention, and and the rest is yeah. history. Yeah. All right, buddy. Hey, stay in touch. We'd like to talk to you some more as more videos come out. And uh, again, it's Gun Runner Drummer. All you gotta do is go to 
YouTube, Instagram, just do Gun Runner. All right, buddy. Gun Drummer. Gun drummer. 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 I keep wanting to say Runner. <laughs> Nate, Nate Wilkinson. He sounds like gun a Gun Runner. Drummer. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Think right, nothing dude. of it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, if you have trouble getting to a medical training course for gun owners, stick around to learn about some online options. Hey, did you know law-abiding uh, gun shops and manufacturers had their credit card proce- processing system shut down because their vendors think that their guns are inappropriate? Well, shutting down a business that supports your constitutional right to self-defense is, a wrong, is wrong, which is why we are so excited to have 365 Glacier Payments as a 10-ring partner. 365 Glacier Payments specializes in companies in the firearms industry. If you have a business that accepts credit cards, give them a call today so you can enjoy the peace of mind that your account won't be shut down. And also enjoy the best rates. Visit their website, 365GlacierPayment.com, and ask for a free account review. And if they can't beat your credit card processing rates, they'll pay you $100. All right, our special guest today is Dr. Rick uh, Hammersfar, and he wants to talk to us a little bit about online medical training. How you doing, Dr. Rick? Hey, I'm doing fine, thanks. How about yourself? Oh, not doing too bad at all. So before we get into your course, kind of give us a little background of who you are and how many ambulances you rode in. <laughs> Probably not nearly as many ambulances as you think, but it was fun going in them. Um I basically was recruited right after 9-11 by U.S. Special Operations Command to help them do some of the training programs. They were having some medical problems with the Special Forces medics because at that time they were only trained to take care of people for 60 minutes, which was the golden hour. And with the uh, evac times uh, over the Hindu Kush, they, they were running 18 to 36 hours, so it just wasn't, was not working out. Mm. So. Um, we basically set up a, uh, revamped the training programs and uh, set up a number of different uh, advanced care programs for the special operations medics and uh, did that for about 10 years. And during that time, we took the principles that had been developed for the med- uh, medical community uh, or tactical medical community and special forces and put them into the civilian side. Because on the civilian side, uh, do you remember those, those pictures of Virginia Tech, how all the cops are carrying everybody out of the building? Yeah, during and, the uh, right. The, yeah, think, during yeah, the sh- during right. that shooting. Yeah, and that's because in this country, paramedics cannot go into a building until it's been cleared by uh, law enforcement. That can take hours. Mm-hmm. So the, the the logical answer is we take people and take medical personnel on the civilian side and take them to the point of wounding to start taking taking care of people rather than taking the wounded out to the point of uh, outside. And so it inc- improves the survivability. And that and then from that. I was approached by U.S. Law Shield to start setting up some courses for them because of all the gun owners, it's incredibly important that you really learn how to take care of yourself because, unfortunately, there, there are things like accidental discharges, and people do get hurt with, the, um, uh, with everything that's going on in, on a gun range. But more importantly, if you look at the, what kills somebody, it really doesn't matter if you're bleeding to death. It doesn't matter if, it's, if you've been shot, if it's a chainsaw accident, if your daughter's running 
uh, falls through a plate glass window. Um, yeah, the, the cause of the bleeding to death is different in all those cases, but the treatment's the same. So all the principles that we, we learned for uh, how to take care of war injuries apply to the civilian sector because, uh, you know, stuff happens. And so that's basically what the courses are all about, teaching people how to save themselves because you can bleed out in about three minutes and die. The average response time for EMS is close to seven to nine minutes, depending on whether or not your city's under lockdown. Right. So, so, you, so you still work off the premise of putting it into a 60-minute uh, situation? No, not at all. Not at all. Oh. Basically, the whole concept at this point is that if something happens, you can't rely on somebody else to come help you out. You have to be able to take care of yourself or the person you're with. Because by the time somebody else gets there, if they've had a major bleed, they're probably going to die. Gotcha. So it's up to it's up to us. It's kind of like, you know you hate this. It's it's that survival mentality. It's really up to us to learn how to take care of ourselves until somebody else can get there, because we can't. It just takes too long these days. Right. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. Traffic jams. There's a million million things that would slow people down. So yeah, when you're so kind of explain to me how this works online. I'm not a big online kind of a person. So kind of walk us through. I mean, definitely you definitely can't do hands on, of course. So so your training must be pretty in depth. Yeah, well, U.S. Law Shield has both in person courses and online courses. Mm. And the online courses, because they're longer, but they're broken into about forty five minute segments, you can provide a lot more. Uh, in-depth uh, instruction, and also a lot more of the background knowledge that's necessary so that you understand why you're doing something, uh, why you're putting the tourniquet on, and, and in which situation you should use a tourniquet, which situation you should not use a tourniquet. Mm. So uh, you can just get a lot more knowledge uh, with the online course, but the trade-off is you don't really get the, on, uh, the hands-on experience, which is absolutely critical when you're trying to learn how to do these things. So would you recommend doing the hands-on as, as your first choice and then online if that's your only other choice? Yeah, I think the hands-on is without a doubt the best way to go. Uh, and then if you can't get it or you need more information or if you want to know more about it and go into more in-depth knowledge, mm -hmm. then do the online courses because those always have more knowledge. But it becomes really critical to understand how to put a tourniquet on correctly. Because if you put it on incorrectly, it can actually uh, increase blood loss rather than uh, stop blood loss. Right. And so there are some nuances that you do need to learn about. Mm -hmm. So how, how long are these online courses? Do they have time time distances? Uh, the, uh, uh, the the one for U.S. Law Shield, it's, it's usually about a six-hour course broken into about 45-minute blocks. Mm -hmm. so, you, so once you sign up for the course, you can pretty much uh, take it at your leisure. Gotcha. And take it as and take it as many times as you want. Oh well, that's good. You can keep it on, uh, keep it in your computer, and then breeze yeah. through it every once in a while. Hmm. Yeah, you really can. It's like going and to the then, range more than once. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then the important, the other important thing is, if you do the online course first, then at some point you should try to get into a hands-on course. Right. But. But the most, the other thing that can be very confusing these days is there's so many uh, things on YouTube. And what we've tried to do with the uh, U.S. Law Shield course is that we've stuck with the proven 
tactics, techniques, and procedures developed by the Committee on Casual Combat Casualty Care, which is the military version, and also the medical equipment. Because there are some tourniquets that are, that are highly rated and work, and there are other tourniquets that have great publicity, but they have an 80% failure rate. And so you really have to ha- have the right equipment also. So you do recommendations on equipment as well as training? Recommendations on the equipment and training, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, the, the knowledge is all updated when the uh, Committee on Tactical Combat Casualty Care and the Committee on Tactical Emergency Casualty Care, which is the military and civilian versions, make their recommendations on changes to the different treatment protocols for trauma. But it, it, it's really all about stopping the bleeding, opening the airway, sealing chest wounds, and trying to keep people alive until somebody else with more medical knowledge can, can get there. You've been pretty busy, got a lot of students. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're doing, uh, it's been a very busy for our in-person courses. We have a uh, teaching cadre of about 110 people nationwide, and we're doing uh, roughly, we were doing 30 classes a month before COVID hit, in-person classes, and mm-hmm. we're, uh, we just ramped those up again to about 15. The online courses have been doing incredibly well, especially with all the new gun owners out there. Yeah. So if if you do have a high, high uh, excuse me if you do have a high quality uh, um, uh, tourniquet sorry if you do have a high quality tourniquet and you know it's a good piece of equipment and everything um, oh how, how do you how do you what's the most common mistake I guess is what I'm asking how, how do you screw that up the most common mistake is just not putting it on first is not putting it on tightly enough um, and then the other one is just using one. Uh, that's a counterfeit tourniquet or something that has not been tested and not been approved. And those, the ones that are counterfeit tend to have failure rates. They're cheaply made. The ones that have not been approved uh, are in that category because they have such high failure rates. So the, uh, the recommended tourniquets are great. You just have to practice with them. But the other thing you have to realize is that if you have whichever tourniquet you use, these are by, by and large single-use items. So, and the Velcro is what makes the tourniquet work. So we all know what happens if you take Velcro and rip it 50 or 60 times while you're practicing putting on a uh, tourniquet and taking it off. So you really have to have two tourniquets. One that you carry and don't use unless you absolutely have to. And the second tourniquet that you practice with. Gotcha. If you practice, if you practice with the tourniquet that you carry, uh, it's probably, the odds are it'll fail when you actually go to need it. Yeah. So that's that's not a good situation either. So how do you practice with a tourniquet? Like how do you, how do you know you're how do you know you're doing it right? Well, that, that's where the value of the in-person course comes uh, uh, comes in because they can, you can really learn how to do it right that way. But the videos that we put together for the online course, we really walk people through on a step-by-step basis on how to put the tourniquet on, what to do, uh, what needs to be done correctly, what not to do, and how these things fail. And then we also uh, teach people how to test the tourniquet themselves so that they can tell if they're getting it on correctly. And once you know how to put it on correctly and you've done it, then it just becomes a question of practicing how to do it. Doing it on your leg, doing it on your dominant arm, right. doing it on your non-dominant arm, things like that. Yeah. So for the video classes, what kind of a price are we looking at? Um, it, 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 ver- it varies a, a little bit of depending on whether or not you're a member of U.S. Law Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's by and large, um, it's, it's, uh, very reasonable. Um, I, I don't know the, uh, cost well, if they go all. to uslawshield.com, they can look it up and they can, 
it'll probably be beneficial for them to join U.S. Law Shield for the discount and be protected that way as well. Absolutely for the discount, and the, and the protection is tremendous. Right. Um, totally agree. All right, buddy. Hey, well, this has been fun. Thanks a million for calling in, and uh, don't forget to tune in every Sunday, 4 to 6, on KCBQ FM, 96.1 AM, 1170. The answer. Thank you. Enjoy listening. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. So how many women do you know who have recently purchased a firearm? We're going to talk about it with Joe next. But first, PRMI Mortgage, primeres.com slash alpine. Are you in the military? Are you looking for help with a VA loan? Well, if you're looking to buy, refi, or maybe even considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley, 619-722-1303, or just go to primeres.com slash alpine. What do you got for us today, Joe? Well, so I was looking for some good news. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Try to write things, and, uh, you know, like everything is, is just depressing. There's a lot of bad news out there. Um, and I was noticing, uh, I saw a couple of articles uh, floating around about the gun sales, because uh, gun sales are still breaking records pretty much monthly, uh, have been found for a couple of years. And uh, it's not slowing down uh, that much. And I, so I thought, okay, that's a, good, that's a good happy one. So we'll write about that. And, um, you know, getting into it a little bit more, talking about, uh, you know, who's buying guns and things like that. And uh, then as I, as I dug deeper into it, I started looking at the, you know, I started finding stuff about the reasoning and things like that. And it turned into a, uh, a more involved thing than I thought it was going to be. So it took a, it was taking a little while. Are you saying it took the fun out of it? No, no, no. It actually, it turned into a, I, I thought I was going to knock this out in an hour and be done with it today. And, uh, I didn't, <laughs> but I got it outlined anyway, but it's interesting. Um, you know, they say, uh, like in the first half of 2021, uh, 3.2 million, uh, guns were purchased by first time, uh, gun owners. And what's interesting, if you look at the, the demographics of it, um, it said nearly half of those people were under the age of 40, which is, is interesting. Um, a lot of the people, um, women represent a big chunk of, um, new gun owners nowadays. And it's interesting, um, years ago, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they said, uh, women represented 10 to 20% of gun owners. And, uh, today they represent almost half of gun owners, about 42% is what they're saying. And, um, and that's likely to be a little bit low too. It's hard to get good you know, good statistics on gun ownership for, for obvious reasons. People don't like to talk about gun ownership. They're, you know, 
they're smart. Yeah, but don't they have <laughs> hardcore numbers from every time you buy a not, gun? Not necessarily, no. Remember, it, in California, it's weird. Oh, right? that's in California, right. they got I, everything. In right. free America, not so much. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, so it's it's hard. You know, they rely on, on polls and surveys and things like that. And sometimes gun owners are reluctant to tell yeah. someone, you know, what, what they own or, or that kind of thing. But, you know, it's... it's um, pretty likely that you know that that number is at least the 42 percent anyway so um so that's good it's good to see that and um you know there were they said 21 million federal background checks in 2020 wow. so um you know and that's not 21 million new gun owners it's just it's 21 million purchases basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they say i think close to three quarters of those are um you know are people just buying additional guns but still um you know it's it's good because um the people that are buying guns, it's not, um, it's not the stereotypical, you know, white men that they, they always like to throw around out there. And, um, like for the new gun owners, for instance, uh, for the, the date on that from last year, uh, they say about 55% were white, but about 21% were black, about 19% Hispanic. And I didn't say, they didn't quote the Asian one. I didn't see a number for the Asian purchases, but again, it's not, it's not just old white men that buy guns, but Mm -hmm. it's interesting because, um, you know, looking at the why, you know, why do people do that? And, uh, and that was the part that got a little bit deeper, um, you know, and it's driven, um, un- unfortunately, the politics of fear, which are real popular nowadays in this country. And, um, you know, people are purchasing guns, which, you know, to me is kind of the wrong reason. And that it, it plays in that stereotype. That's why I wanted to spend a little more time uh, developing this a bit. But it's, you know, there's, there's so much more to the guns than just the defense part of it. And, and that's what's frustrating, I think, about, you know, the anti-gun people, these fanatics that are out there. Um, because, you know, they focus on, you know, for one, how criminals use guns, but they, they imply that it's normal people using guns mm-hmm, that way. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's so much more to it. Yes, the self-defense part's, you know, important. But, I mean, just the, the collecting part. You know, when I'm at the range uh, doing these RSO shifts and things, you know, I'll talk to people and, and we all laugh about it because, you know, the range uh, costs you money because uh, I, I can't, what do I have, like three guns now, I think, that I bought because I was at the range and somebody had one. I said, oh, that's cool. I got to have that. And, uh, you know, everybody was saying that, but there's there's that aspect of it. Um, there was a, a guy that was shooting on Friday that uh, that collects old World War One and World War Two type guns. They were talking about old Enfield rifles and things like that. Uh, and this guy, he shoots at the matches too. You probably saw him yesterday. Um, you know, he's got a lot of old, um, old, uh, equipment stuff, not only guns, but all the stuff that the soldiers had back in world war one and world war two. You'll see him with, uh, he had an old canteen, I think from world war one that he was using and stuff like that. But there's, there's so much more to it. You know, we were talking about reloading and all that. So, you know, it's, I think it's great that people are buying guns now more and more Americans are buying guns. Um, it's, uh, a little bit saddening, I think, uh, or it's a little bit sad because of the reasoning, you know, I'd like to see people buying guns because they're, they're good things. They're cool things. They're, they're, you know, a lot of them are pieces of art, especially if you look at the older revolvers and things like that, there's that aspect to it, the collecting aspect to it, and just the, the fun of shooting and things. But when I was looking at, you know, what's driving the surge now, it's what you would think it is, um, you know, it's fear. People are afraid of what's going on out there. Uh, but it's interesting. It's not one side or the other. You know, we were talking about politics before and the political part of this. But, um, you know, and I was looking through several different articles. And, um, 
you know, they were talking about like they, they talked to liberal people or people on the left. And, uh, you know, they quoted this, this one woman who was, uh, throughout that old Trump thing, you know, Trump could shoot somebody in the street and, and New York and his followers wouldn't care. And, uh, you know, there was another woman that, that, uh, said, you know, she went into the gun shop and she was in tears. She's telling the guy in the gun shop that this is against everything I believe in, but my family needs to be protected, you know, and that kind of goofiness, um, with a fear, but it's not only on that side, you know, on the, on the more normal American side, you know, we were watching, uh, the cities burn last year, the mostly peaceful protesting and rioting and looting and arson and the response or the lack of response from law enforcement, you know, not, not because they didn't want to probably, but because they're being held back a lot of the time. And, um, you know, that kind of stuff's not, not going away. All the things that are happening at the federal level nowadays is just keeping people afraid of things like that. And, um, you know, that's, what's driving a lot of this, but, um, you know, it's not slowing down it's very, um, it's interesting. You know, we were talking about the, um, getting the message out and we were kind of critical a little bit about, uh, you know, the Republican or the conservative side articulating the message, but we see that too in the, um, in the gun owner side, you know, it's, you've got this, uh, this boom, these new gun owners and, um, you know, we should be reaching out to them. We should be articulating this kind of stuff and communicating it so that we turn them into, you know, really responsible gun owners that are enthusiastic and supportive, you know, of our second amendment and that kind of stuff. And, um, I feel like sometimes we miss the opportunity. Um, they quoted a, um, they use an example of a guy, uh, teaching, um, an NRA class, I think for women, which is similar to what we do out here. Uh, the wall street journal article talked to Wendy, uh, about the not me SD, um, program. And they also had a girl on a gun and, uh, people from there talking about it. So, you know, reaching out to these people that are purchasing these guns and, and drawing them in to, uh, you know, what it's really about. Yes. The self-defense part is important and everything, but there's so much more to it. And, um, so, you know, I'd, I'd like to see us take advantage of that anyway, and not, not miss that opportunity. So when would this, uh, article will be up on the website <laughs> things go well uh tonight or tomorrow night <laughs> all right keep your eyes crossed go to s-d-o-r-c dot org or something like that what is he trying to say <laughs> what did i say org slash blog oh you know what i did my first show they're s-d-o-r-c click on michael's face right here on gun owners radio fm 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Every gun owner should have a range bag. Is the Blaster Bag Pro the one for you? Let's find out with Melissa. But first, we are so proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a chain ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community to provide a nationwide network uh, of 2A advocates. They offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructor and provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Join them today. Members get great prices and free shipping learn more about them at national concealed carry association.com all right melissa tell us all about this uh, blaster bag <laughs> okay so this is an all-purpose range bag and um 
recently I had taken a class with Sentinel Concepts um, with Steve Fisher from S Sentinel Concepts. Um, amazing class. And I had no idea he had his own gear. So I actually um, got hooked up with Nancy from Tough Products. Thank you, Nancy. And she got me the Sentinel Products, um, the Sentinel Concepts um, Blaster Bag Pro. Um, Steve, I'm not a fan of the name, but, you know, that's okay. Um, but this is like an all-purpose bag, and this bag is pretty cool. So, Joe, when, yes. you, when you go to the range, how much stuff do you carry with you? Uh, way too much. Way too yeah. freaking much. Me too. I carry way too much, and my range bag is super heavy. And then sometimes, like, I feel like, man, do I really need all this stuff? You know what I mean? I don't. Well, I really that's don't. Good. Yeah, the smaller bag's better, I think, because the bigger bag, you just you fill it. I just, I, I, mine's big and it's full. <laughs> it gets full with all kinds of crap. So, um, this keeps it simple. So I'm thinking this is great for one of those range days. You're like, let's just go. We're going to throw a couple pistols in here and we're going to show you how much this stuff can hold. This is, um, it's got two pockets for pistols. And let me show you my, my subcompact banana. Oh, look at that. Pew, pew. Yeah. So, okay, so, hey, you know what? You guys would be so proud of me. I actually bought bananas from Michael's, the fake bananas, because the other ones were getting so bruised and you guys were making fun of me. They were turning super brown. So now, everlasting subcompact bananas you, for y'all. check that banana safe. And yeah. Practice the four <laughs> rules. So here, so because um, YouTube likes to shut me down, I use bananas. I don't know if you guys know that. I, I shut a, got a shut down one time and I've never been able to live it down um so instead of guns um i have to use bananas in place of guns so there's that um this actually holds a ton of stuff eight magazines and yes you can do it holds like the extended mags um regular mags extended mags so you've got is that four on each side is that four mag pouches on yeah. each side and then some bigger pouches yep so i got um four mags um can fit on each side i got my staple gun here a roll of tape, the two pistols inside, and there's a pocket on the outside, which is very helpful. I'm going to open this up. You can lay this um, flap down and then put your gun here if you don't want to get it dirty or put whatever. I put um, a box of ammo, shot timer, two pens. So you can basically have almost everything you need, all the simple stuff right in your bag and that that's all the same stuff i have in my big bag actually the only thing <laughs> I, I don't see in there is the ear pro but um because I've, I've got both i've got the um you know the the cans the big ear uh, muffs but now i use the grizzly ears which would easily fit in yeah, there no you problem like those? at all yeah yes. so far they're pretty good yeah so um you can multitude of you know different uses it's not doesn't have to be all this stuff but um, I think Steve has a picture of it with um, like a notepad here with the pens and stuff like that. So um, lots of room and this is pretty sturdy. Everything's really sturdy and I like how this flap opens up all the way so that you can actually lay it down. Um, good handles. There's a place for um, patches on the other side. So this is um, Steve, Steve Fisher's patches. They nickname him the Yeti. So those are his patches. Let's not, and you know you've got the um, the double zipper there too, so you can lock that so that the people of California are safe when you're that transporting so your true. firearms. You know what? Because a lot of the times there aren't 
people don't put those lockable zippers on there. These ones have holes in them, so you can actually lock it. Yeah, and that, and that's nice because that's how I lock my range back up because I'm, I'm in an F-150, so I don't have a trunk. So it's got to ride, you know, with me in the car or ah, in the cab. Okay. So, um, you know, to be able to put a little lock through there is real handy because, you know, if that just had a single zipper on it, you'd be out of luck on this one. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So good thinking, Nancy and Steve, on that design. Lockable zippers, I like it. Um, so is this something that you think that you would be able to tr transition to and get rid of that big, giant, heavy bag? Um, yeah, I could. You know, because uh, if I, that's what we were talking about a little bit earlier. If I went through and I'm, I'm going to dump this bag out <laughs> here. If, if I don't do it this week, certainly before I leave for the gas oh, match. So your, your Mary Poppins bag of a range bag, right? Well, because well, the other thing, too, I was telling you, I'm going to be shooting the gas match out at Gunsight in two weeks and essentially walk around. That, and so I'm carrying that thing all day long. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I got to dump that thing out and see what I really need to take. And I'm, I'm betting what I really need to take, I could fit in something like that. Are you taking just one pistol or two? Um, I'll have two with me. Well, I'll have three actually with me, but, uh, but I don't know that I need to carry all of them around for the match. Right. Yeah. So I think this will work for Nina too. I really do. So, oh yeah, no, it'd be perfect for her. Yeah. So I think that this bag it's freaking amazing, and it's really sturdy. All these pockets, and it's padded. Can you feel that? Well, and actually, you know, this would work, too, for the match for me because, um, you know, I would bring two. I would shoot with a 34. Uh, since I'm carrying the 19, I would bring that with me just in case the 34 broke or something and carry that. So I could carry, I could carry two of those. I could have the magazines in there I need. The, uh, the third pistol is the barbecue pistol for the dinner afterwards because everybody's all oh. armed up at the dinner. So that's the... The nice leather holster with the rattlesnake inlay in the 1911. So. Oh, fancy. So I probably wouldn't shoot that one, but uh, carry that one. <laughs> you'll carry Just to show it off, you'll carry it, right? That's what everybody else is doing. <laughs> <laughs> so this bag, um, you can find this on toughproducts.com, and it retails between 45 and 55 which is pretty reasonable seeing how much it stores and how strong it is, and it's very sturdy. How many different colors? <laughs> There's like a ton of different color series. So you like can 10. pick and choose. Yeah. And like depending on like the color, um, the price goes up. Like this is like the more expensive one because it's multicam. But, you know, like the solid colors are a little bit more cheaper. They're cheaper. Will, like they, cust will they custom make one for you? I'm like, sure they would. If like you say you Nancy. have a business. They have a business. of. Oh, yeah. They can they can brand stuff for yeah. you. Like, you yeah. know, if you want to have a name or something like that. I'm sure Nancy can right. do something for are, you. Are they out here? Um, Tough Products is located in Chula Vista, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're local. So they have a ton of stuff. They they do a lot of um, products for, like, law enforcement and military. Mm. So they have a ton of stuff. So this is the first thing I got my hands on from Nancy. She was nice enough to give this to me on Thursday evening. And um, I love the Sentinel Concepts bag. Good job, Steve. Good job, Nancy. I really like it. Um, no discount for you guys. Sorry. Um, didn't even think to ask. I'm, I apologize. But I need them to make money too. That's right. People gotta make money, you know. And that's such a reasonable price. It is a reasonable price. And, yeah. You know, I really like it because, like, I'm sure it's I, waterproof. It isn't, but you can. Um, I asked Nancy that today, and she says it's not, but you can oh. Scotch guard it. Um, okay. Fortunately, we don't get water out here, so it's not <laughs> anymore. Right? We're it's done. just dry. It's just dry in California and San Diego. Um, I think that this is going to be helpful for me because when I need to go to the range, 
really quick and I need to just cite something in or whatever, I'm just going to take this and just well, throw know, my guns in here. I'm trying to think of what else I would have to carry to the range, you know, if I scale down. And you've got pretty much everything in there and that I would some. typically take. I mean, because I, I take a shot timer with me. I'm going to have at least a box or two of ammo mm -hmm. in there. Um, I usually have a little set of tools of some sort. like uh, And the Allen, Allen keys came in really handy yesterday, actually, in the range. But... Um, but that, or I've got a Leatherman also in my bag. I've got both, and I probably don't need both. Right. Um, but again, there's room in there for that as well. I, I always have a stapler. I bring tape with me. Um, I pretty much thought of everything that you need to take to the range. Yeah, I'm I stuck it in this of, bag. I'm trying to think of what else would I need. I, don't, I can't Besides think of anything Besides your ears really and your eyes, bad. really. Yeah, but the grizzly ears would fit perfectly in there, that box. How about so a that's tape measure? No problem at all. I don't I, bring a do tape, tape measure. measure for? I don't know. <laughs> this man obviously doesn't go to the range. No, but I'm just saying if you want to measure out, you know, I mean, you, if if you needed one, you could fit it in there though. You could. Well, I'm saying, you know, if you're going to if you're going to shoot a target down range and it's not it's not marked, you might need a tape measure to. And if you're inside, they know that. If you're outside, that's why you have feet. One, two. That's three. right. Into the old, old school way. <laughs> so, check out the bottom and look how wide it is, Joe. So I actually tested this out. I stuck a box of ammo in here. It actually fits nicely in here. Okay, great. Because, um, yeah, like I said, my only thing, I was wondering if, the, if earmuffs would fit in there. And I bet they would. It's just, um, you know, maybe uh, where the roll of tape You don't is take both like bananas. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, only on. one subcompact banana if you want to fit ear pro in here. I mean, just thinking about that's true. it. Well, I'm, uh, just looking at the way that's laid out, I bet you could put EarPro up near the top there, and, and this thing will close, and it'll be above the, uh, the yep. magazines, and it'll be just fine. Yep, I, I agree. I bet that would work. Plus mine, too. I've got the, uh, what do I have, Peltor, I think. Mine are bigger. Like, if you have the, the Howard Light, I think, are thinner. Yeah, so I have the Walkers, the ra Razors. Are they, are they those thin, are, too? Those are thinner, yeah. Yeah, because there's thinner ear pro, but I, I think even the ones I have, you know, again, I always have them as a backup. If usually if I'm inside, if if it's an indoor range, I usually go with the the muffs. If I'm outside, I'll go with the grizzly ears. But I usually have both, just because you yeah, never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. So, um, yeah, I really like this bag. What do you think, Joe? You like it? Oh, I think it's great. Yeah, and uh, and we're gonna see if Nina likes that. Yep, I'm actually gonna empty this out and give it to him so that his wife can test it out. There it is, her birthday present. Yep. All right, so if you guys want one of your own, lots of stuff to choose from at toughproducts.com. Yeah, because they have a lot more than bags. A ton more than bags. Yeah, so check them out. I'm sure they do gift certificates. They do all kinds of crazy it's things. T-U-F-F, too. Yeah, it's T-U-F-F products. Okay, we didn't even ask Michael, what do you carry to the range? Do you have a big suitcase like uh, I have? or uh... I, just have a, I just have a regular size range bag. I think, you know, the, the most... Uh, you know the the most that's in there is a is a bunch of ammo. So typically, most of the time when I'm when I'm going to the range, I'm going to like front sight. So that's multiple days. So I'll have a bunch of boxes of ammo in there. But I'm pretty simple. First aid kit. Um, you know, I, I learned to. I don't take a bunch of cleaning stuff. I used to have a bunch of cleaning stuff. Yeah, I don't do that either. I don't do that either. Yeah, I used to I have even... a bunch of tools, and I just well, nah, once I know. found that you know you can go a whole week at at front sight without cleaning anything. Because I wasn't sure about, like, when I did the uh, the tactical shotgun last year, I was saying, oh, can I go four days and not clean the shotgun? And then Lance was laughing at me. He said, you could do, like, four weeks of this without the uh, without cleaning it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I don't bring that stuff. Because I know I won't do it. I don't clean them at home. So Yeah, right. <laughs> not likely to clean them out there. All right, folks. Hey, don't touch that dial. Our attorney will be calling in, John Dillon, and you won't want to miss that. Hopefully it will be good news. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961.
AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, did you know John Dillon is the attorney on the Miller versus Bonta case and Jones versus Bonta case? In other words, he's working. Uh, to remove the assault weapon ban and working to restore the Second Amendment right for 18 to 21-year-olds. So if you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call attorney John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant, you can trust our firearms attorney, John Dillon. That's John Dillon, specializes in California gun laws. Call him at 760-642-642. 7150-760-642-7150, or you can go to his website at dillonlawgp.com. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing well, especially after an introduction like that. Well, it's the <laughs> truth, and you know it. So tell us some good news. Well, you know, uh, today I got something a little bit different. I'm not going to be doing an update on any cases, oh. uh, but I wanted to talk about uh, a subject that I think is a little too often uh, overlooked, especially when you're dealing with and talking to a bunch of law-abiding citizens and law-abiding gun owners. This is an area where we we tend not to pay attention to because we don't think it really applies to us. Uh, But what I'm talking about is the concept that you are never, ever, 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 ever supposed to talk to the police. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, but it is never beneficial to talk to the police. Now, I say this uh, for one reason. I'm not talking about if something's happened and you need to get police to come and you know, help you and you're the one that called the police and there are certain things you do need to talk to them about. I'm not talking about your, your, your brother-in-law who's a police officer. You can still talk to him. Uh, uh, what I'm talking about is if you're ever involved in anything from an infraction, a speeding ticket, up through any type of criminal investigation, it is never beneficial uh, to talk to the police. And, and all too often, uh, I find that you know people call my office and they'll be you know they'll have some criminal trouble. They'll be involved in some criminal matter, and very quickly I'll discover that you know you know in almost 100% of the time that I get these phone calls. It could have been entirely avoided or at least extremely mitigated if the person that calls me just kept their mouth shut and didn't try to explain themselves away. Uh, and it's something that is uh, natural uh, as a person who feels like they're innocent, they've done nothing wrong. You want to explain yourself if police come knocking on your door and asking you questions or asking, you know, can we search your house? Can we search your car? You, you got nothing to hide. Uh, because you're a good person, you haven't broken the law. But uh, I often, I know Mike's heard me say this a number of times, but I always tell people, you give me 10 minutes and you let me walk through your house, I guarantee you I can find something illegal. Uh, It doesn't matter who you are or what you do. If you let me walk through your house, I'll find something illegal. So uh, if I can do it, you know, you better believe a police officer can do it. But, John, if you tell the police officer... I'm sorry, I'm not going to talk to you. Can't he arrest you? 
Yeah, you know, no, that's not something that happens. You know, they, they actually have to either witness a crime or, you know, have to have probable cause or search warrant or an arrest warrant to, to arrest you. Um, if they're just asking questions, that's what they're doing. They're fishing. They're trying to get more information. Um, and, and, again, too often people think, well, you know, this is just a misunderstanding. I'll just explain everything. You know, he knows I'm not a criminal. And, and you know, you start explaining the situation, and now you've admitted to, you know, breaking the law. It's just the simplest explanation is you get pulled over for speeding, right? So you're on the side of the road, police officer walks up to you. Do you know why I pulled you over? I'm sorry, officer, you know, I was speeding. Well, now you've just admitted to the crime. Gotcha. And that's it. You're, you're trying to be cooperative, but in, in fact, you're just giving the state evidence. Now, we've got to remember that Fifth Amendment right. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. So remaining silent is not a criminal thing. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean, you know, you're an incooperative, you know, horrible, you know, criminal. Uh, it just means you know your rights and you're exercising them. Now, we can always, and you can do this in a very civil way. You don't have to be combative or, you know, cause a big scene, but, you just be civil and explicit. If you, you know, the police officer wants asked to search your residence, but uh, no officer, you can't search the residence. Uh, you can't search any of my, you know, belongings or personal property or real property. Uh, you'll have to get a warrant for that. You know, if uh, you're being stopped and questioned, you can ask, "Hey, am I being detained?" If they say no, then you don't say another word and you say, or you walk away, and that's it. If they say yes. Well, then you let them know politely, well, I'm going to invoke my right to remain silent, and I'm also going to invo invoke my right to an attorney. I want an attorney present before any questioning proceeds. And then you just don't say anything from that point on. If it is, in fact, a misunderstanding, you know, let a lawyer take care of that. Let the lawyer talk to the DA or the police officer. Uh, you know, the reality is police are trained to get people to talk. Uh, and that's the best way to get evidence uh, of the crime is to start having that person talk about it. Hey, John, a quick question for you. And I know I've, I've talked to you about this before, and um, I think it's important to go over it again because we get this in class from time to time. But in your scenario a few minutes ago when you say, okay, if you're, you're pulled over by a policeman, so um, you pull over, and like in my case, I drive an F-150, so I've if I've got guns with me, they're in a range bag or in a, a gun case or something, and they're sitting in the back seat. Um, what's the, the rules on, you know, can the officer look in there? Can they search anything? How does that work? Well, yeah, so, uh, it, you know, if something's in plain view and the officer believes that, you know, has any reasonable suspicion something in plain view uh, could be illegal, then you may have a search on your hands. Um, but um, I always recommend, especially if you're driving around, is to have all your firearms in locked hard cases uh, and then not visible. And if you have a trunk, put them in the trunk. If you have a bed of a truck, you know, get a giant bag that can fit all fit everything. Something that's inconspicuous that you know doesn't scream, "Hey, there's a rifle or a handgun in this bag," uh, or lock box. Uh, like, that's like the best way to kind of avoid that. But again. Even in a situation like that, they, well, are there firearms in there? Well, I'm not going to answer any questions, officer. And, and, and that's all you have to say. You don't have to say a single word. 
Right. Uh, and can they open it or can they ask you to, or not ask you, because if you don't give them permission, can they open it up? Can they search it? And, uh, you know, I thought the, uh, the rule was if it was related to whatever they pulled you over for, uh, if they pulled you over for a taillight or for speeding or something, they can't really go in and search through things. Is that correct? Unless they have reasonable suspicion of something else illegal that they've seen in plain view, that's one of the exceptions, uh, you know, to the warrant requirement for searches and seizures. So that's why I I always say if you're going to travel with firearms, have them locked up, hard cases, something inconspicuous, generally well, in a trunk or bigger case. But with that it's too, not, with, but with that too, John. Excuse me for just jumping in. If the police officer was looking for somebody in a white Ford F-150 that just robbed a gun store and they pulled him over and he happened to have his hard cases blocked, but yet the police officer was looking for a white Ford F-150, which is what Joe drives, would he then have probable cause to make him open his cases? Uh, he might have probable cause to search the car, uh, don't ever assist in your own investigation. That also goes along with the right to remain silent. If there are locks on that case and that officer wants to look inside, okay, well, he can go get a search warrant and then they can cut the locks. You're not going to do it for him. Gotcha. Uh, and you're not being a bad person by that. You're exercising your right. Mm-hmm. Now, if it is a situation like this where, you know, misunderstanding, you know, read the license plate wrong, similar matching car, well, that's all going to help you. If you didn't help, you didn't admit that there are guns in the car, you didn't help them by consenting to any type of search, well, at that point, you're going to have a lawyer involved, and, and we're going to argue against you know unlawful detentions, unlawful searches and seizures. Uh, and now you have a defense. The person that doesn't have a defense is the one that gets pulled over and is like, oh, hi, officer, yeah, there, there are guns in the back here, you know, and, and they're not locked up. And you really run into trouble when you know, these types of searches happen and then something's not compliant or you, you're not transporting your guns properly in accordance with the law. Uh, and then, you know, you get extra charges thrown on you for something that should never even have happened. And, and you get a lot of that when someone, you know, instead of throwing their gun case in, in the trunk and locking it up, they throw it in their back seat thinking that, oh, well, it's in the case and, you know, it should be fine. Well, better to put it in the trunk. And, and even if even if they do, you know, the, a police officer, let's say they don't truly have probable cause, but they decide to search your vehicle anyway, you know, don't don't stand in their way. Don't uh, don't, don't wrestle you, them you, to you, the you, ground. Yeah, you tell no, me. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not like you you can't really argue much. You can't start getting mouthy. You certainly can't touch the cop. If they do something illegal, you're just going to have to get that. Uh, you're going to have to. Yeah, you got You got to grin and bear it. Yeah, obviously, be civil. Don't fight it. You know, exercise your rights, be explicit. You know, I don't consent to any search and seizures. you got to get a warrant. And make them get a warrant and do all that. And if something they did was wrong, at that point, your lawyer can then argue that. Should you film them? Should you pull out your phone and start filming them if you see? It is perfectly legal to film an officer. You know, I always say, though, if you're in a situation, uh, you know, reaching into your pocket really fast is uh, never a really good thing. Uh, so if you're going to do it, you know, make your uh, intentions known. Yeah, I would say, excuse me, officer, before you go any farther, I'm going to start videotaping you. Yeah, and that's perfectly acceptable. He may not like it, but it's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, and so 
again, all of this is just the big theme is you don't want to assist in your own investigation. You don't want to assist in providing your own evidence against yourself. Um, and it's not a bad thing. You're not a criminal when you do so. And you can do it in a very polite, you know, cooperative way. Uh, it's just this is how the world is, you know. Some officers won't enforce little infractions or even, you know, the non-compliant firearm. You know, there's obviously stories out there, uh, and you, I'm sure we've all heard them. I've definitely heard them, uh, where someone gets lucky and they don't get, you know, charges put on them or citations or even arrested for things that they should have. Now, you know, more, more often than not, you do get the citation. You do get arrested, and they do confiscate, you know, your guns or your other property uh, if something is wrong, because remember, it's law enforcement's their job is if they see something that they believe has violated the law, they're going to arrest for it. It's now the DA, the city attorney, and the defense attorney to set to figure out whether or not that was good to go and right. whether or not a real crime happened. It's not their job to determine that. Right. Boy, I tell you what, it's always great having you on, John. Thank you very much. You can call him at 760 642 7150. Or go to DylanLawGP.com for straight, honest answers. John, thanks a million. Take care. Have a good one, guys. All right. Hey, folks, stick around. Sam the Gunman is coming up next. And do we have a mic drop? Yeah, we do. Oh, all right. So we'll be with you in one moment. This is Gun Owners Radio FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, we live in a state where your self-defense rights are under attack. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things that you can do. One, like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, the podcast, or whatever way you can listen to the show. Number two, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps boost the show and puts us in front of a whole lot more people. All right, Melissa, you want to take care of Sam the Gunman? Yes. Hi, Sam. Are you there? Yeah, how are you? Good. How you been? Not bad. Okay, so if everybody doesn't know, Sam the Gunman is the genius. Yes, it's nephew of Michael Schwartz. <laughs> Uh, and he is like the gun genius around here, and we kind of throw questions at him and see if he can answer them. Most of the time, he answers them and blows everybody out of the water, and he doesn't get these questions ahead of time, so he kind of just amazes us all the time. So I'm very impressed with Sam. And, Michael, what do we get if somebody can stump the nephew? If, if you write a question uh, in and we use it, then you get a shirt or a hat. If you stump Sam the gunman, then you get a front sight membership. Right. I did not realize that. Yeah. Russell, did you realize that? No, I did not realize that. <laughs> All right. So, Sam, you ready for your question? Yeah, let's have it. Okay. From Tim from San Bernardino. Which pistol is the longest running pistol in service? Which pistol is the longest running pistol in service? Um, Tim from San Bernardino was that? Thanks yes. for writing in. Uh, now, it's kind of a difficult question to answer because it has a lot of different answers. Um, you could ask uh, what has been the longest-running pistol in service of a particular country, um, what pistol has been the, the primary 
uh, handgun in use by a certain country's military or something like that. But in the absence of clarification... We actually want an answer in every single situation possible. So um, at least four to 500 answers. No. <laughs> uh, so in the absence of clarification from the gentleman who wrote in, I'm going to take the question to mean the pistol which has been used by militaries collectively around the world for the longest um, and is still in active service. I'm going to say the 1911 and derivatives thereof. Um, it was designed by John Browning in 1909, 1910, and ad adopted by the U.S. Army first in the year 1911 and has been in use in various forms ever since. Um, there are many militaries and especially police forces in South America that actually still use it. All right. Well, winner, winner, chicken dinner. You answered it correctly. The United States military has maintained an arsenal of M1911s since its creation. That makes this single-action pistol the longest-running pistol in service, not just in the United States, but the world. Some honorable mentions, I think, go to um, the, Smith and the Smith & Wesson Victory model, more commonly known these days as the Model 10, um, which was produced by the millions for use um, among police departments in the 1920s and 30s, I think, and was used by air crews during World War II and even later, um, and is still used by a lot of police departments in countries where they can't necessarily afford to upgrade. And the uh, M1895 Nagant revolver, uh, famously used by the Imperial Russian and uh, the Imperial Russian military and the Red Army, and was finally phased out by the Russian Postal Service guards in 2005. You should have a book in front of you. Or, I mean, how? Kid, I, kid. honestly, did you just did you just pull that out of your head? I think so. Among other places. <laughs> wow. We're just like staring. We like look we're all at each other. Dumbfounded. Yeah, of we're course. just like looking at each other. Like, did you know he what? Just really he should that? win. He should win. A front site membership. I think, yeah. yeah I we, mean, seriously. We took him one year. Yeah, but you had to take him again. Sam, as always, good God almighty. All right, go back to reading your do, books. Wait a minute. Do you have a 1911, Sam? Um, I do not personally own a 1911. My father owns a 1911, which I have shot and which I like. Um, I would like to get one at some point. Yeah. Which one? What are you looking at? Which 1911 do you think you'd get? Uh... I, I want one that has some of the more modern features but isn't totally souped up and, like, match-grade like a staccato. Also, I can't afford a staccato. <laughs> um, uh, I've been looking at the Bull Armory 1911s. Uh, that's a company out of Israel. They make a lot of uh, interesting handguns, and their 1911s I've handled in the store uh, have been very, very smooth. Wow. That's awesome. What do you, no, what do you, when you say you don't want them to have too many... You want some modern features, but you don't want to be too tricked out. Like, what's a modern feature on a 1911? Like, I like the extended beaver tail. I like the um, I like a ring hammer. I, I just prefer that. Um, a rail would be neat, but I don't really anticipate using that on a 1911, so that would be nice. Really, mostly the sights would be uh, good to have um, removable sights, so I can put a nice three-dot white sighting system instead of having, having the little nubs like on a milita uh, military 1911. We were just talking about that. Joe was just complaining about the sights on his 1911. Well, yeah, I've got a Springfield Armory 
loaded 1911 and I can't see the front sight and I just swapped it out for a uh, just a fiber optic up there that I can actually see. Yeah, I, I think um, dovetailed sights are probably one of the most indispensable features on a handgun, honestly, because, uh, you know, sights are, are part of how you interface with the gun. If you can't change them, then uh, it's, it's, it can be pretty hard to hit what you're, uh, what you're pointing at. All right. All right. Well, good job, man. Awesome, as always. Take yeah, care. thanks very much. As always, a, a pleasure to be on the show, and that was a fun question with lots to talk about. Yes, it was, more than we even imagined. <laughs> All right, you have a great day, and say hi to the family. You guys, too. All right, All well, right. guess what's up next? Now it's time for your weekly mic drop. Mic drop. So we lost the recall, and it wasn't even close. When I say it wasn't even close, I mean that even if Republicans had done anything to help, it wouldn't have changed the outcome. Votes are still being counted, but there are something like uh, two no votes for every one yes vote. It was that lopsided. Larry Elder came in first place. Congratulations, everyone who worked on his campaign. But as Gun Owners Radio explained over and over and over again, that doesn't matter in any way because the no on recall votes far exceeded the yes votes. Only a small percentage of Republicans actually voted. A lot of times when we look at results... It is as if every single voter voted, but it was fairly small. It was a fairly small turnout, and it was a fairly small Republican turnout. I have no idea why that was. Frustrating that we lost. Yeah, of course, it was true. It was a true and real chance at victory that was squandered. Uh, but what has, or what was really offensive, was Governor Newsom's behavior leading up to the vote and after. The claims of racism were gross. The implication that Larry Elder, Elder was supporting racism was even more gross and completely ridiculous. Larry's a black man from a bad neighborhood in Los Angeles who made himself successful. Newsom is a white, straight, cis male who grew up surrounded by privilege and continues to be completely disconnected from the common man and woman and is a proven womanizer, a.k.a. purveyor of Me Too behavior. Still, he's the one that Democrats fought hard to keep. Anyone framing these two men any differently is being intellectually dishonest. The night Newsom clobbered the recall, he said, quote, We said yes to science. We said yes to vaccines. We said yes to ending this pandemic. We said yes to people's right to vote without fear of fake fraud or voter suppression. We said yes to women's fundamental constitutional right to decide for herself what she does with her body and her fate and future, end quote. Her fate and her future, huh, Gavin? Decide for herself what she does with her body? What if her future and her fate is defending her life with the most effective self-defense tool known to man, and she does this by choosing to carry a gun on her body? Isn't that a fundamental constitutional right? Gavin's already anti-gun. He's been so from day one. We've known that for a long time. He's been militantly and extremely anti-gun. This will, of course, empower his hypocrisy, and that's the worst part. We can point fingers and blame. There are a lot of ways to blame a lot of people for what happened in this recall, believe me. We can sulk and start looking at real estate in other states. But what we need to do is make sure that Gavin Newsom doesn't beat us all again by making us give up and making women and men compromise their rights to keep and bear arms. This is an attack that's going to continue 
especially while he's in power, especially while he's been empowered by his victory in the recall. I'm not here to say that the recall was a good or a bad idea. I'm here to say that we have to deal with the realities of the aftermath. And that is your mic drop. Mic drop. All right, folks. Hey, do us a favor. Could you subscribe to our podcast? Just search Gun Owners Radio and you'll find us. Doesn't cost anything. Leave a five-star review because it helps keeps the word out and keeps us on the air. So please support all our great sponsors as well. San Diego County Gun Owners, $10 a month worth every penny. U.S. Law Shield, just about the same thing. Don't make a move without the Dillon Law Group. Dare do, you know, call Dillon when in doubt. PRMI Mortgage, 365 Glacier Payments if you're a business owner and you're being harassed because you sell uh, firearms equipment. Scott, Scott Vizen, uh, Coldwell Bankers and Royal Realty, and the National Concealed Carry Association. We really want to thank uh, Joe Jermisi, Michael Schwartz, Melissa Lee, and definitely our brother behind the board, Brendan Thomas, and our new guy in training. His Joe. name is Joe. Got a yellow stripe across the back of his shirt. We'll pull that off after about five more races. And don't forget, Bob Siegel is in the house. And I'm sure he's going to be all fired up over this uh, recall election as well. So stay tuned and listen to Gun Owners Radio, FM 1170. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.